This is MuggleCast, your Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts podcast covering everything about J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 304. Micah, Eric, and I are here, not just here, we are here. We're really here. (laughs) We are present together in New York City. We are holding hands. We are not doing that. No, we're not. But we, yes, Michael would like to clarify that right no, off the I'm bat. Not, hey, look. There we no, go. Yeah, we're doing it. Yeah, we're holding. We held hands there just Ew. for a moment. That was weird. <laughs> and I'm the gay one. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're here in my hotel room. We saw Fantastic Beasts last night. This is going to be our spoiler-free installment yes. of MuggleCast. Yes. Uh, we are doing a spoiler episode as well. Sorry, J.K. Rowling. Sorry, Wormtaily supporters. <laughs> Uh, but not until the movie comes. Not until the yeah. Oh right. Well, we are. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Never but mind. but this one, this one will be safe to listen to in your ear holes uh, as soon as it comes out. As I'm soon surprised as you, you could be in the same city as J.K. Rowling. And yeah. Not <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. I don't think she's mad at me. We're not going to get into this. <laughs> I did wear my keep the secrets button last night. Oh, no, silent yeah, protest. I tweeted her. <laughs> she didn't reply back. Um, so we're going to start with some news. It's Fantastic Beast news, of course. And then we're going to talk about this event. And then we're going to get into some our spoiler-free Fantastic Beast thoughts. Yes. So um, first of all, the big news is that Johnny Depp has been cast as Grindelwald for the Fantastic Beast series. Um, this surprised everyone for multiple reasons. First of all, um, he's an American actor playing an Eastern European guy, so that's kind of weird by Harry Potter movie standards. Um, two, people have mixed feelings on Johnny Depp for a couple of reasons. Uh, one of them being that he just went through a messy divorce with his wife because she alleged that um, he beat her up. Well, d- during which she alleged that there was domestic abuse. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so many people are very uncomfortable that Warner Brothers and J.K. Rowling would do this, um, uh, and then and then J.K. Rowling and the movie crew were kind of trying to explain why they cast him, and they were like, "Oh, it's he's a great actor. That's all that matters." Yeah, yeah. Here's here's Yates's quote, uh, David Yates: "Johnny Depp is a real artist." I'm going to try and do this in my in my David Yates voice. He's created several characters who really resonated in a popular culture. He's really a brilliant, brilliant actor. We were excited about seeing what he would do with this guy, the character. He's fearless. He's imaginative. He's ambitious. We thought he would do something fun and special, so we went for him purely on that selfish basis. We don't we don't care if he's famous or not famous. We just know he's interesting. So it really seems like they've beelined away from the controversy or like come in the angle of it doesn't matter to us. Well, and he also later in that, I don't think you just said the part. Oh, he said, like, you know, sometimes people say weird things about you one week. Oh, <laughs> like, God, that that was such a bad response to that. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if Trump can be president, then Grindelwald can be played by Johnny Depp. <laughs> well, I, I don't think either should be happening. Uh, but but I, I would like to speak to uh, the controversy. The, because I, I think that uh, I, I think that 
it's important that the fandom uh, hold, you know, come together and, and hold uh, Warner Brothers accountable for, you know, and, and, and essentially do what they've been doing, which is reaching out, you know, tweets, articles about if this does or does not um, represent a, a dramatic shift in, like, good taste uh, from what we're used to from J.K. Rowling and things like that. Um, you know, I, and, and it's important, to, uh, first of all, that the allegations are just that. The case, uh, domestic abuse case was actually settled, um, without, you know, he's, he hasn't been take, taking off to jail. So it's really a, a question of, you know, what do we want out of Harry Potter? And, you know, what do we want out of our, our, our movies? Yeah. To, you know, are we, are we really saying they can't cast him? Because he's an abuser? Are we saying they can't cast? They shouldn't cast him because we don't like him? Well, here's here's why they cast him. In my opinion, this is what struck me originally. He is um, a big movie star who can bring people to the box office. I think this was a total box office move. It wasn't necessarily, oh, he's the perfect Grindelwald, like they're saying. They want to have increased the chances for box office success in the sequels where he's going to have a big role. Right. Yeah. We know he does kind of appear in Fantastic Beasts 1. Mm-hmm. We've confirmed this already. You see the back of his head. We've so we saw it in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. Um but in the future movies uh, when they can really market him, put him in the promotional material, that's going to draw people in. People love him for Pirates of the Caribbean. I I've seen people very excited by this news. Right. Well, speaking of Pirates of the Caribbean though, the first trailer, I believe, did not include him in any way. He was completely omitted from the trailer. So well, they were worried he would be too raunchy. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, you're talking about for the upcoming Pirates movie. Yeah. Right. And so my question would be, how early on was, was he cast? Was this news already public at the time, or had they already cast him? Had they done some filming? I mean, I don't, I don't really know, but I, I feel like maybe once he had already signed on the dotted line, there was no going back. Yeah. And so there, there's that aspect of it. And I agree with you about the star power factor. Fantastic Beasts, and, and we'll get into this, but the actors who are in this movie, I really enjoyed. Uh, but I, I do still think in order for it to sustain over five movies, it's going to need some big names in there. It, it, yeah. And it's not, it's not carrying, sure, it, it is carrying some Potter, right? In terms of its allure and, and people wanting to come in and see it. But Potter, was based on books that we all loved and you know that's why we went to see it yeah it didn't matter who was in the films i feel like now it matters at least to some people that's a good point who's going to be in the movie what what why this also worries me is because if they want a big name for grindelwald they're probably going to want a big name for dumbledore yeah and that's not something like that that i'm interested in at all right yeah and that is a that is a character you have to take extreme care with because that is that is a legendary character. People already know somebody, two people who played Dumbledore. So like they're kind of replacing Dumbledore, sort of like with Star Wars. They they cast the young Han Solo and yeah. and uh, the young uh, Lando. Lando. Um, J.K. Rowling, by the way, did say they have. She has somebody in mind. She'd really like to play Dumbledore. Uh, she wouldn't reveal it in case they don't get him, but... I hope it's Jared Harris, honestly. I, I think I've said this before. Yeah. I, I mean, Jared Harris is only two years older than than uh, Johnny Depp, actually. They're, they're like 55 and 53. Can you believe Johnny Depp's only 53, by the way? 
It just seems like he's he, been making movies and he's been everywhere forever. I'm going to see something really rude. He has not aged well at all. Yeah. Dude is ugly. <laughs> well, he plays these characters that are so, you know, you never tell what's real, right? Yeah. I mean, I crazy faces, crazy eyes. Yeah. You know, his eyes aren't really yellow, right? Uh, but no, the uh, the whole Johnny Depp thing for me, like getting butts into seats, I get it, but I don't because on one hand, I really thought that this movie would – It's true. while it's true that the main cast, the four characters, although one of them is Oscar-winning Eddie Redmayne, uh, the other three are lesser known, much lesser yeah. known. And I think that – you know, I was looking to this film as like, oh, it's going to prop up these – these actors are going to gain in fame and then by the next movie or the one after that, mm-hmm. they're going to really be the, the draw, the right. box office draw. Right. But and, – and this film had so much going for it, screenwritten by J.K. Rowling, the insane – same creative team is back that I, I didn't think they'd go the route of, oh, we need a big name actor to tease so that people come. But they went that way. And it's like, well, you know, what can we do? I, I think because they can now, too. That's, you know, not not to say that they couldn't before, but I feel like they had a very strict set of guidelines that they were operating by with the Potter films, right? Only casting British actors. Now I feel like. There is more of that star power, and you mentioned Eddie Redmayne, but you also have Colin Farrell. Oh, and Colin Farrell. Who's very well known. Yeah. Uh, John Voight, who's very well known, makes an appearance in the movie. Mm-hmm. So this it's not lacking for star power. Right. And, and like you said, now I'm interested to see, heading into movie two, once we get that casting news on Dumbledore, uh, what the response is going to be. Yeah. So who who would be like a Johnny Depp type that they could cast as Dumbledore? Ew, Who's no. Oh, you mean just bit big? Um, what? Yeah, I just meant big. Uh, I thought you meant. I don't know what you meant. No. Okay. Okay. Like a terrible person. Um, I don't know. And here's the problem for me. Uh, we know that Dumbledore has feelings towards Grindelwald. Yeah. And they are gonna kiss. I think at some point. Yeah. Right. I, I think it's conceivable. Uh, my my. Head cannot accept Johnny Depp kissing Dumbledore. in a romantic role yeah. at all in a in a homosexual <laughs> romantic way. It's just it's just so weird to me. It's kind of turns me off. But but you know, on the other hand, J.K. Rowling will be introducing at least one gay character in a major way uh, in a in a major film. Yeah, something we haven't seen in Star Wars yet, Lord of the Rings, these other major franchises. Yet, you know, Star Wars could go there with the trilogy. Um, so I applaud them for that. I think that's great. And maybe this transitions into our next subject, which is that the move that the five movies, mm. you guys are okay with moving on. Do, do you have any picks for Dumbledore? Picks for Dumbledore? Uh, besides Jared Harris, yeah, no. Uh, I, I think Jared Harris would do it really well. He's on the uh, the Crown now. He plays King George, but really, he's Richard Harris's son. Richard Harris being my favorite Dumbledore, uh, and he looks and sounds just like. Uh, Richard did uh, when Richard was younger and I don't know I think it would be a nice way to pay tribute to that character too because or to, to that actor to that portrayal I know it was pre-Yates uh, but it wasn't pre-Hayman yeah. uh, and I think that you know I really think if Jared were comfortable yeah. filling his father's shoes uh, it would be a really really nice way for like especially for continuity as well tying the worlds together yeah, and tying the films together visually without much trying Okay, so um, J.K. Rowling did reveal that the five Fantastic Beast movies are going to span 19 years, which does confirm that this is going to end with. I didn't see this news. Really? Yeah, I missed it. With dump, yeah. D- so, so it's 1926 plus 19 equals 1945. 1945. Um, 
so yeah, it'll end in Dumbledore and Grindelwald's duel, ending that global wizarding war, which I learned <clears throat> doesn't actually have a name. Other people just refer to it as the global wizarding. It war. will like have a name, yeah. you know, she'll come up with something. Yeah, for sure. Um, that news is so interesting. Well, even just the idea that these beasts films were uh, were a lead into the greater conflict with Grindelwald, right. uh, uh, which you know has been revealed through everything that Yates and Heyman have been saying the last three weeks. Yeah, uh, you know, is really an interesting thing to me because we, we we I'm trying to decide if it if it steps on the toes of Harry Potter of like was Voldemort really that badass of a villain because you know now we're seeing uh we're going to learn all about how badass Grindelwald was and if he has powers that Voldemort doesn't if he shoots out cooler spells which they're no doubt going to going to going to want to make him do you know with new CGI and new techniques yeah. you know then then really what what is that does it does it make Voldemort less you know scary as a villain if they end up spending more time making Grindelwald look cooler and, you know, Dumbledore couldn't defeat Voldemort, but was it because he was just worn out from defeating an even scarier wizard than Grindelwald? Like, what does it say about Voldemort that Grindelwald's going to be the new big bad? Yeah. Well, the other thing is that, and, and J.K. Rowling admitted this herself, it's really ambitious to tell a 19-year story over just five movies. <laughs> That's true, too. Now it kind of worries me that, again, they'll be like... Uh, summarizing or like montaging or something yeah. in future films, which they, fortunately, I don't want to spoil anybody, but I, I didn't seem to catch any of that in this, in this well, film, so it felt good, but. Maybe there would be two or three year time jumps. That made, that in would make. Between the movies. Yeah, and then. Because the, like, things are fixed, things are calm for a while, and then Grindelwald starts. Makes an up, appearance, yeah. My French. Yeah. And, and one thing I think they can do is take us back in time. A little bit yes. to learn more about the Dumbledores. You know, yes. information that was left out of Deathly Hallows that yeah. we obviously read in the book, but now we get the opportunity to see on the screen. We get to meet maybe Kendra. We get to meet yes Aberforth. Uh, They're going to recast yeah. Aberforth <laughs> and his goat. <laughs> and his goat. It'll be a baby goat. Who do you want to play the goat? Enough of Dumbledore. Who do you want to play the goat? Well, Micah knows a goat named Rocky, who he's very close with. He's very, yeah. very clean. Oh, uh, and, and also the, the quest for the Deathly Hallows. I mean, we... yeah, yeah, that's huge. Oh, wow, that's huge. They're gonna, they're gonna clearly have to come into play. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, ex- I'm, I'm very excited about that. I think J.K. Rowling said, J.K. Rowling said that um, when they announced it was a trilogy, she said it was calling it a trilogy was a placeholder because they wanted to let people know that it is going to be multiple films, but she didn't know at the time how many films it would be. And then as she started writing, she, she saw an arc to five. And, um, so, and yeah, now it'll be told over 19 years. Kind of funny that, you know, we're seeing that number 19 again, 19 years later. Yeah. Blog, yeah. First child, the eighth story, 19 years later. Uh. And here we are with another 19 year, I wonder let, if that was. She feels comfortable with that number. Let, yeah, right. Evidently so. I mean, this is this is not a spoiler. I don't think in Fantastic Beasts there's at least one reference to the number twelve. That got me giddy. I must have missed it. Oh really? We'll talk about it later. A family of twelve. There is a family of twelve. Oh, that's right. There is, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I loved that because that brought me back to the original series real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No references to seven though. Yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he said this was spoiler free. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so, so I think that's all we wanted to talk about news-wise. We'll get in now to last night, November 12th. So this screening, we bought tickets for. It was a charity event to benefit Lumos, J.K. Rowling's foundation, um, helping institutionalized children um, around the world. It was really interesting. It started with Eddie Redmayne interviewing J.K. Rowling about Lumos. And it was really interesting to hear J.K. Rowling in her own words speaking about how she became so passionate about Luma, or uh, about helping these children, and then why she decided to fund or start up Lumos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, uh, to hear her tell it, she was she was just was she at home? Was she on a train? She was reading the paper. Yeah, uh, and came across this horrifying photograph of a child in a cage. She said essentially, in a, essentially in a cage, and. Uh, she was, uh, made not comfortable and moved to turn the page, but had sort of a, a stroke of, of, uh, she just had a, a heavy feeling that, well, actually she, if she was that disturbed by the image, she should read the article. Yeah. And she said the article was worse and it talked about this, this cause, uh, and, and she decided that it was something that she needed to actually actively work to, to fix. Right. She was pregnant at the time, which I think probably oh, yeah. influenced her decision to not just turn the page and, right. and read the article. But yeah, I mean, th- I think all of us now have heard a number of times her speak very passionately about this cause. And, and I think that, you know, it was, it was a great event to benefit, to hear her talking that passionately about it with Eddie Redmayne uh, was just, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people will walk out of there and, and take sort of the, the action items that she gave in terms yeah. of either donating if it's a cause that you, you feel passionate about or, you know, just educating other people on orphanages and, right. and the damage that they do, uh, to young children and their development. One of the key things she said was don't donate to orphanages, even though that's super thoughtful. You're trying, you mean well by it. Don't donate to the orphanages. Donate to, and she used the different uh, like community NGOs. But what is that? Non-governmental organization. Okay, yeah, and but she said like community-based organizations. Yeah, the problem is so there's there's something in the system of orphanages across uh, the world that is corrupt, and actually donating to orphanages, uh, you know, they misuse the funds, and it ends up being a a for-profit. Yeah. child trafficking operation. Right. There's corruption within these organizations. Yeah, and so what Lumos is and what and there are others she said, there are boots on the ground experts dealing with how to stop the corruption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're helping these children, you're 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 putting these children back with their families, you're doing all sorts of uh of that, but also, you know, they are making sure that the money is going to where it where it, because what did she say? There was some form in the hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, that people are donating. And there's a percentage of that, you know, people donate to chair, to orphanages because they want to help children. Um, but it's, it's actually working against, uh, the good because these orphanages are corrupt. And so right. places like and, Lumos. And if you've noticed, and well, we can jump back and talk about the Potter series. There's, it's no coincidence that Tom Riddle grew up. In an, in an orphanage, yeah. And yeah. there's also uh, a bit of that in Fantastic Beasts. Won't give anything away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Not about Tom Riddle, though, just to be clear. No, yeah. not about Tom Riddle, but about orphanages and, and treatment of children. And, and you know, when you go see the movie, you'll know what we're talking about. I just I just loved for, to see J.K. Rowling and, and Eddie, too. Eddie, was, Eddie had the right weight and, and gravitas to be, like, talking with her. He's got a young child himself. Like, hearing him sort of be – he was very reflective and very, like – 
he was a, he was a great uh, counterpoint to her point, you know, just being there, asking her, relating with her. Like I, I really loved Eddie, but hearing her talk about uh, just the idea that she changed all our lives as children and wrote, you know, the best-selling children's book series of all time, uh, and is now still dedicating. Uh, all of this time and energy and creating this foundation that works that and helps children, like yeah. actually helps to, that it's a life's pursuit of sorts. Yeah. Uh, for JK. Yeah. So, so then we moved into talking about Fantastic Beasts. And by the way, Eddie Redmayne did a really great job moderating this. Mm-hmm. Um, how lucky were they to have a lead star who was also very, spoke very passionately about Lumos alongside JK Rowling? Yeah. Um, she said a couple of interesting things. So weirdly, this, the discussion about Fantastic Beasts, they had before the movie, so they weren't Yeah. That was a little disappointing. But, yeah, a little bit. Um, although she did come out again at the end and asked everybody how what they thought of the movie, so that was cool. Standing um, ovation. Yeah. Um, uh, she did say that her script, when she wrote the script, it was her first screenplay, as we all know. It was very detailed. Way more detailed than a normal script. <laughs> And surprise, I mean, surprise. Well, yeah, right. She said she like wrote nine. She was joking, but she said she wanted to write nine pages on like a building or something like that. And I hope all this detail carries over into the script book that they are releasing alongside the movie this Friday. Because if they cut that out, that'll be a major disappointment. Oh, there's no reason to cut it out, right? It's like, so long as it was the final draft of the script, they have no reason to, like, cut any of that. And I think it'll provide all of that extra insight that we're looking for. Yeah, this is going to help us discuss on the podcast. Oh, 100%. So I'm really excited to get my hands on that script book. Yeah. Um, What else did she say? Oh, she also talked about, she said, I'm quite interested in normality because I don't think think such things exist. That was really interesting, right? She quoted her own, the first lines of the Harry Potter series. Yeah. Which I was like, I'm glad you were like, I'm surprised you I know, I surprised you. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> How much of the books does she have memorized? Uh, probably a lot. Yeah, but it starts with Mr. and Mrs. Vernon Dursley, number four, Privilege Drive. We're perfectly proud. We're proud to say they were perfectly normal. Thank you very much. And she's she's talking about outsiders because Eddie asked her the question. He's like, you know, your heroes, your characters, they're they're all outsiders. Why have you? Why are you drawn to outsiders? Why do you think that is? And and. That was her response. It was just, you know, I think, I think we're all, nobody's normal. Nobody's normal. And, and, yeah. and, yeah. and you see that in the movie. Oh, there's, yeah. There's a line, I think with Jacob and Queenie and Queenie says something along the lines of like, no, no, Jacob says there's tons of guys like me out there. And Queenie says, no, there's not. Yeah. And that, that reminded me. That was a great, that was yeah. a great moment. So yeah. I, I, I mean, I, Given everything that's happened here in the U.S. in the last week or so, I thought that that was a very powerful statement for her to make mm-hmm. in terms of... Yeah. It um, was super subtle and very effective. Yeah. So I guess let's get into the movie then. All right. So this is going to be spoiler-free. The beasts so we were fantastic. We're <laughs> the beasts yeah. were fantastic. I think I think everybody going into this is a little hesitant because this is a freaking Harry Potter spinoff. It's it's weird to say it's a Harry Potter prequel. It's it, but J.K. Rowling is writing it. Um, I was very pleased by it. I need to see it again before like making final judgment. Um, but it was fun. It was. There's a lot of cool magic. J.K. Rowling introduces several new elements into canon that people are going to be talking about for a while. There are at least there's, I think I've said on the show that there people were trying to like asking me if I wanted to hear the big spoiler. Cause it did get out there. Yeah. The big twist. And I said, no. 
and I'm glad I didn't because it was everybody in the theater was like, <laughs> 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 um, and, and I then they like, cheered, which we'll talk about. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that on the spoiler episode. <laughs> there's a lot to talk about there. It was um, uh, Madison, one of our listeners, mm. who was there in Patreon. Hey, Madison, finally getting her shout out that she wanted. She said to me last night she liked it better than any of the eight Harry Potter movies. And I was like, oh, why? <laughs> uh, well, do you not? Uh, do I like it better than any of the eight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, no, it's That's a, a big serious statement. question. Yeah, well, well, she said she liked it better than the eight Potter movies because... There was nothing to compare it to. That's right. exactly how I felt after watching it. I was just, well, while watching it, I was just like, you know, there's something wholly freeing mm-hmm. about not, you know, as much as we want to retain objectivity when going into these movies and we, you know, we try not to constantly think in the back of our minds, this is right, this is wrong, this is a, a good version of this character, this is a terrible choice that they made. We you almost can't get away with it if you've read the books and you're passionate about them and it's hard to do. This one with no book to go on, we could really, for the, I think for the first time I felt that I could enjoy a film that and and like based on complete or, or not enjoy a film based solely on its merits solely on the film itself yeah and i so so when i came out of it and you know there's scenes that i love uh and there's elements that i love i feel like i i feel like i own that that love more because it's not constantly being ebbed ebbed at or etched away by how well it is of an adaptation yeah I agree. I, I agree with Madison. I agree with, with Eric. I, th- there's no sort of preconceived notion coming into the film other than it's part of the larger wizarding world, but there's no expectations either. And I, I think that that's what makes it so easy to sit there and actually enjoy the movie for what it is. You're not putting your mind into analysis mode like you would if you were going in and seeing any of the eight Potter films. And and that, like you said, it, it was refreshing not to do that because, you know, and, and it's the case for any book series. Look at Game of Thrones. Like when you go in and you watch a television show, you're analyzing it, comparing it back to the books. And right. I, I definitely agree with what was said, though. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was entertaining from from start to finish. I thought the story was awesome uh and i and i'm interested where it's going to go now because i feel like there's so many things that she's going to be able to tie together between the story that she's telling now and i believe harry's story and yeah and there are going to be those moments like what you were saying in the theater where people just kind of do that collective intake yeah um i feel like there's probably a lot more of those moments to come yeah um i thought actually the beasts were the least interesting part <laughs> because there was such because like you're saying there, there's things coming in the future movies that were so interesting to me the the beast kind of fell by the wayside and i don't mean that necessarily in a bad way um but it was interesting how newts i don't think this is a spoiler would use the beast to his advantage to fight sort of yeah. and i thought that was very interesting and i could that it kind of explains how newt will remain relevant in the films to come to fight 
maybe. Yeah, the, yeah, that element for sure of it. I, I think what I liked about it is, you know how you get in a, in a Potter story, you have the average, this is the year of school that we're in, this is our, the challenges right. that this year faces, and then you have the, whatever Voldemort's doing uh, as a counterpoint. So in this film, you have what's going on with the larger wizarding world in 1926, which is most of the movie, and then you have Newt. Uh, dealing with his beasts, learning more about his character in his relationship to them, learning how much he loves them, uh, and him finding them as well when they escape. And so I, I, you know, it's, it's, I I thought that I liked how much, uh, how many beasts there were and how much screen time they all got, considering how ridiculously expensive must be to put any of the beasts on screen with all that CGI. I thought it was a good balance. Yeah. I think you raised a good point though, that this is more of an adult movie. It, yeah, it, it is not, and yeah, the the Potter films progressed. They got more mature as time went on, and and, and the characters aged, the actors aged. But this felt right from the start. I mean, you're in a speakeasy at one point, mm. uh, yeah. and there's there's just much more mature content, and you get the sense of foreboding, literally right off the bat. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. that th- th- there's a darkness to. The story that's about to be told, whereas, you know, if you start off Sorcerer's Stone, as you progress through the movie, it's a little bit happy-go-lucky, right? Yeah. It's Christmas at Hogwarts. You yeah. Know? It's like, hey, you're being introduced to the wizarding world. Right. That's whereas, a stark difference. Whereas right? this, you know... Yeah, America's a dark place. Well, and, and they... Um yeah, at the beginning, there's like this newspaper montage to introduce you to what's going on in the world. And there's cool references there. That alone, like, first of all, the WB logo, seeing that. Oh, oh gosh, yeah. Oh, this again. <laughs> this happening. This thing. Yeah. Um, people cheered during that part. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was one of the big applause Couldn't lines. even hear the music. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and then you see the newspapers, and there's you see Hogwarts... <laughs> a, a Hogwarts headline. You even see um, the Ilver Morning Crest out in, in one of the newspapers. I missed that. And yeah. I can't wait to see if it's the original or the new version. Because <laughs> on first glance, it looked like the original to me. But I'm I have to think that they updated it with the yeah. non plagiarized version of the Jeez, um... um Yeah. 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 But uh, but all of the characters. This film was incredibly well cast. I felt. Uh, yeah. It just it just seemed like they got the right actors to play the roles that they needed, and no two characters are alike. Which I guess that's true of Potter too. But the, in this film in particular, again, because it's not an adaptation, I was really noticing how unique uh, each of the actors were in their characters. How, how unique, uh, you know, in the different purposes that each of the characters are serving to the plot. It's all J.K. Rowling managed to come up with, you know, seven or eight or nine really strong characters that are all in this interweaving tale of what's happening in New York. Yeah, you you could tell why at the very beginning she was so passionate about these characters. She talked at length about wanting to tell Newt's story, and and as she, you know, created these characters, I guess it formulated in her mind that. She wanted to do more. And well, yeah, was, there was those were her closing remarks too, right? Like, uh, I, I think you know now why I, I this is going to be five films. This is not my JK. This is not my best JK Rowling impression. But but she said because I love these characters, don't you? Or she said yeah. something like that. Like, and I everybody. Went to the bathroom thought, as soon as an oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She asked the crowd like she's like, well now you see why 
I I want this to do five, more I films because I love these characters yeah, that she, you've just met. She said that before the event too that she fell in love with these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I by the end I, I got more emotional than I thought I would. Than I thought I would. Um, mm-hmm. Did you like the ending? I mean, without yeah, giving I love anything. the ending. I, well, except for one element, which we'll talk about. In this yeah, episode, yeah, yeah. I I loved the ending of those four of the core four. Um, I think my favorite character might be Jacob. He was yeah. definitely the funniest. He's the muggle, played by Dan Fogler. Um, very funny. He has uh, very touching scenes at the end uh, that made me kind of tear up. I was getting emotional. I, I had to lean on Micah's shoulder and dry my eyes. <laughs> he definitely, yeah, he definitely brought the uh, brought the emotional weight. And I love uh, again without spoiling that Newt Scamander. You know, I was looking forward to it for a long time because he's a Hufflepuff. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, Hufflepuff finally gets its due, finally gets its day in a lead actor. And he's just so oddbally and quirky the entire film that they had to separate, like, the emotional weight and put it in, put it into Jacob. It's like, you have two characters that are these great, strong leads, uh, but it's like for the emotional stuff, you go to, to Jacob, and then for, like, the quirk, you go to Newt. Right, right. I don't know. Newt was very quirky. I liked the character that, that Eddie and J.K. Rowling developed. It had to be hard to capture. Like, just yeah. like, where, what's, where are their limits to, like, his quirkiness? Like, when will he directly answer a question? When will he not? Yeah. There's this one scene where he's dealing with a beast. I can't imagine what Oh, God. Like. That, I can see the gifs right now. Yeah. Like, it, it was ridiculous. It, it, it will, was a fun day on stage. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, yeah, and Newt's suitcase was very cool. We spoke about this before. We figured it out with the trailers. You yeah. You go inside Newt's suitcase. Ah. Very funny. So cool. And, you know, I was counting on J.K. Rowling to introduce, to remind us of why we love the magic, the quirky side of the magic. And she does introduce several new elements that are quirky, that are surprising. Mm. Like in the bar, there's a certain drink that was funny. Yeah. Giggle water. Yeah. Um, uh, just even seeing Jacob go down in the suitcase, stuff like that. And the suitcase surprises you, too. That was what I liked, the, the stuff that built on magic we knew about, like the bigger yeah. on the inside type stuff. Uh, yeah. And there were some callbacks. There were there was some continuity with magic, uh, you know, from the earlier films, which... Or call forwards. Call forwards. <laughs> 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 um, there were, it, the, it, the film does take some risks. I yeah. said this on Twitter. Um, I was surprised by. There are, to put it in spoiler-free way, <laughs> permanent changes that... I thought, I mean, some characters die, and I was surprised that they would die in the first movie, because they could have developed the characters more, but they decided not to. Um, and I think most studios, like if you look at a Marvel movie, mm-hmm. they don't kill the Avengers; they keep them all around. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, we're well now you're worrying people. Like, which one of the four main oh, uh, no, good guys no, no, is going to no, die? It's, it's, it's a... No, it's something like that. I'm not sure that whoever you think is dead might be dead. Maybe. But my point is, like, with Marvel, they don't kill any of these characters, but then it's like, where's the stakes? Yeah. Nobody's dying, where's the stakes? Whereas with this, there are stakes, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was I was pleased by that, because I don't think most studios... I think we heard very early on, I assume this was true, um, that J.K. Rowling had the final word on every element of the screenplay. Like, the studio couldn't go to her and be like... You, we don't Here are our notes. Like, yeah, like is how like is how normally it happens. Like I'm sure the studio sent her notes, but it was up to her to actually implement those or not. Yeah, I'm sure that was her deal with them because like 
She doesn't have to do this for well, her. She called them and said, "Well, what was it about the option? They were excising the option, or they because they bought uh, they bought the movie rights to Fantastic Beasts and to Quidditch Through the Ages ages and ages and ages ago, but right. they had laid dormant and they they called her up. She told this story about they said they want to exercise the option or exercise the yeah, like yeah, they want to adapt it. They want to make the film because they they can, and so they asked like she decided she wanted to be involved and she decided. As she went on writing the story, she what did she say? She wrote a few pages, then she wrote a book, then she or, then she wrote a script, then she wrote five right. scripts, and like her initial thought after she heard that they wanted to adapt it was, oh, I better get some notes down because I wanted I want Ooh. them to know what I think of this character. I can't imagine if she was. I'm curious what WB would have done with it if she wasn't on board. I can't imagine it probably would have sucked, which this didn't. Right. Yeah. And it probably wouldn't have involved. The, it probably wouldn't lead towards Grindelwald, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So she yeah. had to be involved. Yeah. Well, it, she said as much. I mean, this this was another story that she really, really, really wanted to tell. And so, I mean, I can't imagine that her and Warner Brothers wouldn't have come to some sort of agreement. But you, I think you can tell that it's written by J.K. Rowling. It, you can. Yeah. And it has a. It definitely has a a different feel. From the Potter films, even though you have Heyman and Yates uh, at the helm again, uh, I will say I do like the uh, sort of the Easter eggs that we can call them, and, and I'm sure going back and watching the movie again, um, having all the context, there's more there than mm. we realize. Yeah, um, Dumbledore is not the only name um, or or surname that gets dropped uh, right. in Ooh. in this movie. Not Grindelwald, and not playing Grindelwald either. So. Uh, Definitely be on the lookout for that when you go in and see the movie. And I'm sure we'll discuss that in length uh, yeah. during our, our spoiler episode. But Well, this is what I tweeted regarding that. Um, we know that Zoe Kravitz was cast, but you don't really... Well, I thought I didn't see her. But then somebody said in the credit. Oh, you guys said you saw her in the credits. I did and see her in the she credits. Plays. Uh, yeah. It's a blink and you'll miss it part, so keep a close eye out. That is a blink and you'll miss it. Much more than Aberforth Dumbledore. <laughs> I, <laughs> still yeah, I still don't know. Yeah, I still don't know why Kieran Hines said that. But. <laughs> um. <laughs> like, in that interview a long time ago, yeah. he was like, oh, blink and you'll miss it. I uh, love that you're bringing that up. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... He was probably that, drunk. <laughs> I, I cannot wait to see her, because that was super interesting to me. Um, maybe one of the most interesting things. So, the, you leave this movie, I think... Really looking forward to what's to come. And it's almost painful to think that it's going to take five movies total to play out because there's a lot of stuff you want to know. And if the next movie's not coming out until 2018 and then 2020 and then maybe 2022, 2024, it's a long time. Yeah. But you, you give me hope with the script book too, like would leave more details and allow us to analyze properly. Like we're back in the season of this feels like the old days where we can. Yeah. Look at him, uh, uh, some content and just, and just, and just speculate and, right. you know, pull the, the, uh, the pros and cons and, and weigh the options and yes. really get back into because, the, you know, she is adding to this world that we knew about and in, in big ways, in daring ways. Um, and I think it's fair to say that you get closure at the end of this movie, at least as it relates to the geographic location, but, I have a feeling that that doesn't mean that the characters that we've met here are gone from future movies. Yeah, I, I think it It'll would be, be interesting to see how they work them all into the future. Uh, I agree. Yeah, but on your point about discussing, we were talking with a 
bunch of people last night because I wanted to get as many opinions as possible to see, yeah. to make sure that everybody else liked it or maybe didn't like it. Everybody seemed very pleased by it. And it was fun to dive in to, to discuss, like this was a new Harry Potter book, all the different new elements because she does like i said introduce us to new elements of magic that are worth discussing and of course these references to characters that we'll see play in the future but did you guys talk to anybody who didn't like the movie no no my one complaint i heard was that it was a little too con that something at the end was a little too convenient hmm. that we'll talk about i have a note uh, in a spoiler episode sure uh, uh other than that though everybody seemed to like it i think everyone's a little cautious because we have to see it again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hundred um, percent. But actually, reading the critic reviews, I read EWs and Varieties last night. Did they like it? They weren't very positive. Really? Yeah. And actually, EW was a lot harder on it than I thought they would be, especially because, like, you know, WB is always hooking them up with exclusive. I was going to say, yeah, not anymore. Press credential. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You're right. Yeah. Um, they gave it a B minus, but the right the way they wrote the review, it was only like two paragraphs. I don't understand EW. They write these short reviews. Like, that's not a re That's so lazy. Can I write two paragraphs and get away with it? I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, they were just pretty critical. They were saying it, it wasn't, uh, you know, it didn't feel like a Harry Potter movie. Variety went I disagree right there. I disagree completely right there. Well, then I bring up there. Uh, I, I, I disagree, but at the same time, does it have to feel like a Harry Potter movie? That I think that's the big problem with saying something like that is because going in we all had the expectation that there were going to be elements of the wizarding world yeah. that we have come to know and love over the eight potter films right <coughs> yeah and so to to immediately have that be one of your lines in your two paragraphs of reporting that uh you know it's it doesn't have that feel uh i i don't think is fair uh but but i will say with that said there were definitely moments where you felt like you were in a Potter movie. Like I said, JK Rowling, you know, did an amazing job. I thought writing this mm. and uh, you know, it, it, what, what did you think? Because yeah, that's exactly right. Like I, it, it, it felt like a Potter film in every way that I wanted it to feel like a Potter film and didn't feel like a Potter film in the ways I didn't want it to feel like a Potter film. It's, it's, it's free. It's new. It's exciting. It's different. The characters yeah. are odd. You wouldn't expect. It's not predictable. It's not altogether too convenient. It, it, they're allowed, the film allows itself to go on these tangents with these characters and you can just tell everyone involved in making this film just had a blast doing it. Right. Here's one part of the review. So why does Fantastic Beast feel so oddly lifeless? Why doesn't it cast more of a spell? First, there are the performances, which aside from Redmayne's are surprisingly flat. And second, the thinness of the source material gives the whole film a slightly padded feeling. This person didn't actually see the movie, they just read the book. Or or he's not a Harry Potter fan. Like, the, the, the point was never to pad the small Fantastic Beast book. No, the thinness, clearly... the thinness of the material? What? Right. And then, and then they say, Rowling, who also wrote the script, nimbly lays out her world, but that world isn't nearly as rich as the world of Hogwarts. Completely disagree. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's really fair to compare the two worlds, especially since we're only on the first. I just don't think it's accurate. Somebody did bring up a good point. I don't know if it was in this review or the Variety one. We actually don't get much of Newt's backstory, which is kind of surprising for a first it's, yeah, movie. Yeah. We get his character. We get lots of, like, we learn sort of what his motivations are. Yeah. 
but but the actual backstory is told in dialogue maybe two or three times and it's quick yeah and right. it's accented so if you heard it the first time i'm surprised right I, I thought it was meant to be vague, though, because mm. the, you have more movies in order to be able to tell yeah. his story, and he's not in his home setting, right? He's, he's, fish he's, out of water. he's in New York, and yeah, there are those moments in the film. They're they're very brief, but there is dialogue between him and another character that gives you a little bit of insight into into his background. But I think we'll learn more about him, and as he, you know, we mentioned, I think the last on the last episode where this next movie is headed but i'm assuming eventually we will be at hogwarts and we will or at least maybe through flashbacks or or conversations yeah I th- learn I th- more a- about newt and and who he is but i i don't i don't know that that was needed in in, in, it, the, in the first film no. it, it, i yeah it, it just like uh, in indiana jones right any indiana jones film you don't they're not talking for hours and hours about where what he's done since the last Indiana Jones movie. He's Indiana Jones. He's the famed archaeologist. As soon as, as long as somebody in the first fifteen minutes says, "Oh, Doctor Jones, the most famous archaeologist," uh, that's all you need for yeah. backstory for the character, and then you can just have fun. Yeah, that's fair. Anything else we want to talk about in the spoiler? Did the music stand out? James Newton Howard. Uh, were there any points where you're just like during the film? I, I loved Jacob's theme, like when in the lighter moments. I, I didn't honestly pay enough attention uh, to mm. that in the movie. I, I did really like uh, when they were inside the speakeasy. I thought that was very yeah. much a feeling from, you know, a, a throwback 1920s. Or mm. if, you've, if you've been to a speakeasy, um, you know, it's, it's very much like that. Uh, so I thought that was really well done. But I truthfully, I didn't pay enough attention to the, to the, to the score. I tried to. Um Matt Patches from Thrillist, uh, I, he tweeted me last night when somebody asked me that question. He called it serviceable. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. It's fine. Yeah. It aids the film. It's it's not a John Williams. You know, who who did it? James Newton Howard? Newton Howard. Yeah, it was fine. I did like the opening. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you hear on the soundtrack is what is there at the very beginning. And, yeah, I, I, I thought that was fine. I will say, though, I, I didn't think the... Traditional Hedwig's theme was it was no no it wasn't it wasn't there basically it wasn't overused yeah well it was at the very beginning but that was it right and and I felt you know when you talk about it maybe that's what EW meant when it said didn't feel like a Potter film because it didn't have listening for the yeah but it shouldn't and and you know we we spent I don't even know uh, how many of our episodes different points of discussion saying you do you use Hedwig's theme do you do you not use it but it was very subtle in the beginning and. Uh, throughout, uh, I didn't feel like they were trying to, you know, throw it back to Potter or throw it forward. Here's a question I'll ask again. Here's a question I'll ask again on our on our spoiler episode, but for spoiler free. What did you guys think about the time period? Do you think they said it well? Do you think? Did you believe it was 1920s? Yeah. It. it I need to. I'm eager to see it again in part because I was sitting high up and they brought in a projection projection projector into Carnegie Hall to show it. And for these reasons, it didn't look great to me. I was looking at some of the special CGI and being like, they could have done better there. But I think it was just the projector and the angle I was at. So, um, But yeah, I think it looked good. It seems like a lot of it was CGI because they weren't filming in New York. 
Well, I, I, well I, no, they built it, but they they built downtown. What she had, J.K. Rowling at one point said, "There's no like CGI environments, or oh, she did? that there were yeah very few that they built everything." Because Newt was or Eddie was talking about how amazing it was to walk around in these places. I feel like yeah. really high ceilings and stuff were definitely you know CGI. They throw a tarp out and it's like yeah, but but the actual like environments, homes, apartments, buildings, train stations. Whatever I was thinking, the outdoor stuff, like on the New York City streets. They built a downtown. They okay. built a couple of right. shop fronts at Leavesden, I think. Yeah, well, I, be- I believe it. I'm just yeah. I, I uh, and when you go in new suitcase, there's certain things I I get why they weren't supposed to look realistic, and I won't explain why here. Just the where he keeps his beasts, how yeah. he has them set up is really interesting. I would love to learn more about that. Yeah, I want to know about that magic. And by the way, maybe we'll be learning. I mentioned no info on Newt's backstory. They are republishing Fantastic Beasts with new info early next year. So maybe that will be where we learn all this new stuff. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that as being... Because apart from the script book, that'll be the the, the next book that we get that has right concrete Newt stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, <clears throat> as a... As a early 19th century or sorry, early 20th century uh, historian, I will say that (laughs) uh, I, I thought everything looked fine. I agree with you. It was a little hard to see everything from where we were um, when you're not front facing the screen. It's a little difficult. Yeah. I feel like they could have maybe put additional monitors on either side of Mm. the main projection screen. Mm. Uh, But I'm sure we're all going to go see the movie yeah, anyway, so I, it's I, not as it's not as big of a deal. Uh, but um, I thought it was really cool to be in. You know, the the New York City skyline obviously looks completely different back yeah. then. Um, it, it looked like they were in the process of assembling the the Empire State Building. I don't know if that mm. from some of the uh, well, well, we can talk more about that. Uh, sure, sure. I hate saying that, but we'll talk more about that on the spoiler <laughs> episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we saw you see a Statue of Liberty as, as Newt's coming into to New York. Yeah. Um, the City Hall, Makusa, um, uh, looked looked really good. Um, you know, there's a, there's a point you're inside of a subway station. We mentioned the Speakeasy. Yeah. Uh, th- there's a lot of different places around New York. Obviously, Central Park uh, plays a role. Building. Yes, the Woolworth Building. Now, um, now you know if if you go like I, I happen to be looking at my phone this morning. If you are on Google Maps and you're you're down at the Woolworth Building, it says Makusa on it. <laughs> on Google Maps. On Google Maps. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's a cool tie. Now, something else that was interesting, and one of our listeners, Madison's friend, who I brought up earlier, Colin, they went down to the Woolworth Building, and there's actually an owl on the front of the Woolworth Building. Right. And as J.K. Rowling explains on Pottermore. That like they were building Makusa and the Woolworth building at the same time or something like that. Anyway, it's really cool that this building actually has an owl on the front of it because if you go there, it kind of feels like you're. It there really is Makusa really is there. And then I was saying to Colin Madison last night, I, how did she find that building? Yeah. Did you Google New York City buildings with owls on it and found the Woolworth? Because <laughs> well, it's because like, it's like a lone owl. It's out of place otherwise, and it's like, right. oh, why is that there? Right. It's a it's a subtle like reference to the Wizarding World that no no match would yeah see otherwise. That's pretty cool. Notice otherwise, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I I, I um I appreciated that. Um. Yeah. Well. I don't know. Is there anything else we should say in this installment? Go and see this movie. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I am gonna go see it again. <laughs> oh, that, I was gonna say that to listeners. Like, I know. I'm, go, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I can't wait for the script book. I think everybody's gonna really want to read. That's the actually book gonna be really cool after seeing the movie. Yeah, it's gonna benefit us a lot because we can sit here with it and <laughs> do chapter by chapter, <laughs> <laughs> scene by scene. <laughs> yes, yeah, um, and go through J.K. Rowling's additional descriptions that she added into the script. It was funny. She said she didn't like writing a script until she was finished. She was, she was, she was not enjoying it. And then she finished it. She was like, oh, "Okay, I can do another one of this." <laughs> another four. We also learned, by the way, that David Yates is going to be directing all five movies. Oh, really? Okay. He said that in an interview. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make me feel good. Um, one of the things Variety criticized was that, or EW, was that it is David Yates again on Fantastic Beasts. It would have been nice to get a fresh perspective on this world. I, I like I like that it was him. Be, like in, in this one, I think the last thing I heard was that he would be working on at least the second one too. But sort of what I, I remember us talking about when the when the film was first pitched, like we would love to get other directors, not just ones we've had before, like Quaron, uh, Alfonso Quaron, to like do his own thing in the world with the beast. He would have made it really cool. Yeah. Uh, but just more directors in general to to diversify. Right. How the world looks and add their own style. You've sort of gotten to the point where clearly the producers are comfortable with Yates, uh, are, because he did the majority of the Potter films, the last four, uh, our eyes are trained now as fans to, to see the world through his lens. But it would have been a nice sort of shaking up, I still think. Like, the movie's totally competent. The directing is totally competent. I actually loved it. He did new things in this film that he didn't do before. So I'm excited about it. And I like him a lot. Uh, but again, the whole variety thing, it's like, why not spice it up? Why not give it an opportunity to, right. to be a little, but maybe they're tied into quality control. Maybe that's why they're, that's, that, that's what I was going to say. I mean, the, the, just the pre-existing relationship and maybe JK Rowling has more to do there than we know mm -hmm. uh, in wanting somebody like Yates who has worked on Potter for so long at this point. Uh, and, and I think you at least know that it's in trusting hands. You And, and yeah. so there's it. I see both sides of, of the argument. If you say you want a different director to come in, because of course they're going to have a different take on what these beasts should look like uh, and, and how the story should be told. But uh, I, I'm, I don't have a big issue with it. I don't look at this film and say, uh, it's David Yates again. Ah, uh, yeah. Yates. Uh. <laughs> no, every film he does is, Linus he does Snoopy. a little, <laughs> Every film he does, he does a little differently. But yeah, no, it's, does he? I yeah, guess. yeah, because like there were no montages after Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, because everybody criticized. <laughs> so. No, he had a lot of material to squeeze into that. Um, it's just surprising to me. Like, why does he want to do all five? I don't know. It seems like I guess maybe on one hand, if they are doing them two years apart, there's more breathing room in between. But like I've said before, he was like exhausted after. Finishing those four Harry Potter movies, and think about it this way: he's going to be he's going to have directed nine Wizarding World movies. Amazing, unbelievable! He loves it. He just loves it. This is why you do something because you're passionate about it, right? Uh, I uh, <laughs> or maybe he's getting paid some really nice maybe, coin. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking, so I'm, I'm double checking. Yeah, look towards the mic. Yates, uh, yeah, Yates directed uh, the Legend of Tarzan movie. Have you guys seen this? No. I, I know, I know. Well. The look that Sims is making right now, 
I made the same look. I mean, Tarzan, right? We've heard the story. We know the story. We've seen the Disney movie a hundred times. Don't need to watch the movie. The movie's great. It's good directing. It's good casting. It's good acting. And it really reminded me or renewed my confidence in the Yates' directing prior to seeing this movie. I would recommend you both see it. I think it'll excite you. <laughs> well, and that was a Warner Brothers movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, Warner Brothers as David Yates. But, like, it's shot differently because it's allowed to. It's not – you're not yeah. following around school children. So you're able to do different things with right, the way I, you're pointing cameras and stuff. Oh, so. by the way, speaking of, we keep – I keep meaning to bring this up. There's a lot of apparating in this movie. And I guess that goes into the being an adult wizard. Like, they're apparating everywhere all the time. Yeah. And it was almost, like – a little too convenient. I, I would agree with that. If you were to say that, like, something in this film was convenient, okay, yeah, the operating. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But then again, it wasn't, like, at, it was good. It helped. Like, it wasn't, like, it didn't hurt the plot. It just, I just noticed a lot of it. Well, well, then again, that's also the difference between being, like, following adults and children. Because for exactly. Harry, it, well, but also for Harry, it's painful, right? It's like the squeezing through the thing. You always right. hear about how awful it is and how dangerous the sponging is. For These a, characters do it. For a competent wizard, yeah, they don't even, no it, they don't even wince. Like, it's not even. Right. And, and it's an afterthought. So it's cool to see at least that the magic of this world isn't completely limited to Harry's uh, perspective of it. Yeah, that I agree. That competent wizards can do it without any kind of pain or second thought. I agree. Wrap it up here? Yeah, man. This is fun to record all together. We should do this more often. Yeah, I need more coffee. I got you. I got you oh, a large. Done. I got you a large. Oh, wow. I've been drinking extra large Dunkin' for the past week. It's really bad. Jeez. I'm glad you got me a large. Um, but I think just you mentioned it briefly earlier. But to thank all the listeners that showed up uh, yesterday. Oh right, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, so we did a meetup, um, and uh, I don't know how many ten people showed up. I think ten or twelve. Yeah. yeah thanks to everybody who did. We appreciate that. If, if you're curious, there's a photo on um, our Facebook page. Uh, from the meetup at the end. It was really nice meeting everybody, and um, it's always good to put faces to the listeners, mm-hmm. and, and just, to, just to say hi, and, and everybody's always excited. Um, there are some people there who have listened to us for a really long time, so it was cool to, to, to finally meet them. Yeah, they came all the way from Florida, a uh, group of them, yeah. uh, to say hello, and um, there was somebody at the actually at the event that uh, was there from Georgia who'd flown in, so people came from all over. Yeah. Uh, to see this, uh, with this audience for this cause. And that was, that really renewed my faith in this fandom. Like, you know, that, that we're all still passionate and excited about this type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a good evening, a good event. Yeah, it was. So thanks to, um, Desi who came to our meetup there in the park. Mm-hmm. It was called. Um, okay. So. Oh, and one more thing. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No. I can do it in person now. But I just, uh, if you don't mind pulling up real quick, our, our contest winners. Uh, oh, yeah. Where can I find those? Over on, uh, on Patreon. I got it. So, uh, as mentioned uh, on the last episode, uh, we were doing a Halloween costume and pumpkin carving contest and uh we did this exclusively over on patreon.com slash mogulecast yeah the top two in each category uh would win a copy of the illustrated edition of harry potter and the yes. chamber of secrets recently released yes uh so those will be on their way yeah uh, so we just wanted to shout out <laughs> uh <laughs> 
I don't know why I said it that we way. We just wanted to shout, <laughs> shout <out>. forward. <laughs> shout forward, everybody. Uh, Helen, Molly, Lindsay, and Laurelyn. Um, Helen and Molly for their pumpkins, and then Lindsay and Laurelyn for uh, their costumes. Always great to see uh, the creativity that our listeners have. Yeah, uh, it knows no bounds, and and I really recommend people head on over to uh, the Mugglecast website yep. and check them out uh, for all the submissions. They were they were really well done, and uh, thanks for uh, thanks for submitting. We'll definitely be doing more things like that. Um, yeah, over on Patreon. So, uh, yeah, if you'd like to, you know, head on over there and support the show. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everybody. Thank you. And, uh, so, uh, so we will be released. We're recording our spoiler episode right now, and that'll be episode three of five. And we'll release that, I guess, after the movie comes out or maybe Thursday when midnight showing starts. So that oh, will yeah, be we'll ready s- for everybody to. Download and listen to... 1201. Drop it. (laughs) (laughs) Then J.K. Rowling will reach back out to you. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be fun. No, I'm going to write some spoiler stuff on Hypable on Really Annoyer. You'll never guess... (laughs) (laughs) Guess who Zoe Kravitz is playing? (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Hashtag keep the secrets. Hashtag wormtaily. Hashtag not my book eight. Ooh. (laughs) I, I will say, and this is no spoilers, I feel with this film, the release of this film, that Harry Potter's back on track as a fandom. Yeah, it's it'll be a canon. lot better received than Cursed Child was. You know? Yeah, for good reasons. Not because we're all, you know, hoodwinked. I think this is truly a great film. Or maybe yeah. we are. Maybe we are. <laughs> she put a spell on us. That was why we had to see her in person. Exactly. All right, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.